Welcome to Mission in 5, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I am your host, Greg Namula, and every week through my work with the Churches Helping Churches ABC Nebraska, my ongoing writing projects, and serving as a faculty mentor to seminary students, I get to partner with Christian leaders, entrepreneurs, missionaries, and ministers of the church in a variety of contexts. I am always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches network together for mission and ministry. So that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the stories of people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. This season, we are meeting with our friends and global servants with international ministries. My hope is that we learn how we can partner with them by supporting their ministry efforts around the world, but also how we can utilize their gifts and talents as partners in our local churches as well. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to their ministry and how you can contact them. Uh, So my guests today are Anne and Bruce Borquist. Anne serves as a global consultant for ministry from everywhere to everyone to build capacity and contextualize theological education, servant leadership, cross-cultural skills development, church-based holistic community transformation, and work with refugees. Bruce serves as a global consultant, holistic community, and economic development to promote faith-based social entrepreneurship, servant leadership, cross-cultural skills development, and church-based holistic community transformation. Now, I find this interesting that a lot of their stuff overlaps, but they are clearly individually gifted and talented in their own right. They currently live in New Zealand, and they work alongside a wide range of Baptist partners from around the world, including Brazil, Cambodia, Indonesia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Vietnam, and many, many others. Anne and Bruce have been Philippines, uh, or sorry, Anne and Bruce have served in the Philippines, the U.S., and Brazil since 1987. Um, I first met the Borquists when they visited Nebraska in 2012 during their furlough from Brazil. Uh, Anne returned back to the region and presented to our Prairie Pastors Conference in 2016. It was, in fact, these very Borquists who I love so much who first helped me realize the importance of both providing support for our IM Global Servants overseas while simultaneously fostering a reciprocal partnership with them for the sake of becoming ministry partners in our local churches and our regions. So, Bruce and Anne, thank you so much for being guests on Mission in Five. Thanks, Greg. Kia ora. It's great to be with you. Very Kia good. Kia ora is the way we meet each other in uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand. So it it's like when you see the person for the first time, you say, oh. Kia ora. Kia and the ora. response is, Kia ora. So, Kia ora, Greg. Kia ora, Anne. Mm. So it, may, it basically means be well in sort of a holistic, real deep sense. So it's a lovely way to greet one another. That's fine. That's awesome. How many languages do you guys speak? Oh, gosh. Well, um, <laughs> reasonably fluently. Um, uh, we, English. English, we try. <laughs> um, be, because of 11 years in Brazil, we speak Brazilian Portuguese fluently. And still, even though we're not resident there, mm-hmm. we still still do lots of stuff in Portuguese. Okay. Um, our time in the Philippines we did lots of our ministry in Hiligaynon, which is one of the many languages of the Philippines. So that's a little bit farther back in the recesses. But when we visit the Philippines, the, the Hiligaynon comes back. 
We also served as Peace Corps volunteers in Ghana, in West Africa. So we learned Ewe and Dagbani, which are two of the languages in Ghana. Yeah. And we, we studied other languages, Spanish sure, yeah. and uh, German, and a, just a touch well, of Arabic. That was an interesting was one. <laughs> um, as an undergrad, as an undergrad, one of my majors was Russian. Oh and so God. there was a time when I spoke Russian. Oh. And right now we yes. are still studying. Uh, we're in the process of studying Tereo Maori. Maori is the name of the indigenous population in New Zealand. Okay. And so the language is called Tereo Maori. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that, that's the current one. Yeah, well, language is so important, oh, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you really need to be able to speak the language of the people that you're working with. We, we joke about speaking the language of uh, Philadelphia when we moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're, we're originally from the Pacific Northwest near Seattle. And so moving to the East Coast and, and uh, learning, you know, jeet yet. What? Mm -hmm. Jeet yet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> jeet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you eat yet? Yeah. 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 Right. Things like that. Yep. Cool. So, but no, great. You're right. You know, speaking, learning to meet someone on their own grounds linguistically is such an important ministry tool and ministry principle, whether you're like us, where we're crossing language and cultural boundaries all the time, or if you're in Nebraska, you know, it's, right. I mean, it's part of being incarnational in who we are as Jesus followers. We we don't expect someone to meet us on our ground. Right. We, you know, God took on human flesh. Yeah. Right. So that that is a real strong principle for us is at least be polite in someone else's language, even if we can't speak it fluently. <laughs> well, that's very cool. I mean, being polylingual is just an amazing aspect of, of being on mission. Um, yeah. You can't really learn a language well unless you learn its culture, you learn its food, mm -hmm. you learn its traditions, mm -hmm. all that stuff kind of fits right. together and it makes you right. understand context all the more importantly. Well, even from sure. this very early intro into how talented and gifted you both are, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it does in fact lead us to our very first question, which is who are you? Tell yeah. us, how did you become these very interesting people? Who are you? Tell us about Bruce and Ann. How many hours do we have? I know. Boy. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you said in your intro that we were commissioned in 1987. Mm -hmm. So that means 35 years as American Baptist missionaries now. So that is who we are. I mean, you know, being missionaries for us, being global servants, this, these I days, like that term. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a job for us. It's who we are, you know, Calling. yeah, we don't take it off at 5 PM, mm. you know, or not on the weekends. So yeah, you know, being cross-cultural people, being people committed to empowering others in ministry, you know, that's, that's a big part of who we are. So we both grew up in the Pacific Northwest, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in Bremerton, which is near Seattle, just across the Puget Sound. Neither of us were raised in, well, I know neither of us were Christian, I'll also say, <laughs> when we were young people. And so it was actually in Ghana when we, that we met Jesus. And that was when we were in the Peace Corps. Wow. Um, that was a real surprise for us because we were pretty <laughs> allergic to Christians and uh, 
And then when we came back to the States, we we thought, well, maybe, uh, well, now that we're Jesus followers, I guess we should go to church. And we checked out all the churches and to our great surprise, ended up with a Baptist church, <laughs> which was, we were pretty allergic to Baptists sure. too. So mm-hmm. this has been kind of our story. Uh, and then we were at that church for several years and uh, eventually uh, God made it clear that he was calling us to cross-cultural ministry as missionaries which, which we, we really... were also allergic to <laughs> yeah. yep, yep so yeah so that was that got us to 1987 and initial service in the philippines you know where we were really committed to doing ministries that empowered uh others to be jesus in their communities and uh and we were telling our friends well you know, we're we're not those kinds of missionaries. You know, we're we're we you know we do empowerment and training and teaching. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be preaching. You know, because that's just not our ministry. Well, <clears throat> we preach all the time. Yeah. So you know, an, another one of those knockoff that don't you know we're not going to do list. Well, we but, need to. I, I think one thing we learned is that you just don't say to God, "Well, I'll do everything, but or I will do this, but not that," because uh, God has different plans and you need to be open to that. Yeah. And I think we've begun to learn that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's been a big life lesson. For By us. the way, when we went to the Philippines, uh, our, we had a two-year-old daughter at the time. Oh, and we still have, <laughs> she's now still with two. us, yeah. but mm-hmm. not two anymore. But um, uh, so two-year-old daughter named Elena. And then our son Asa was born about uh, seven years. Seven years later. later. And so, so, so our our daughter was was raised in the Philippines. Our son was raised in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So we joke that we have an international family. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> so those are two kids. I just yeah. wanted to mention yeah, that that's part right. of our family. Yeah. Not to mention our grand dogs and that yep, sort of thing. Yeah. And but, a granddaughter so, who's seven you know, now. So that's pretty really. special. So yeah, yeah. So that that's part of who we are. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I was actually. Um, talking with oh, yeah. a, another collection of, of um, global servants not too long ago, the John and Sarah good. I don't know if you've met them. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. But, you know, they've taken their whole family to Hungary with yes. this and just how, yes. how life giving that has been for them as a family. And so I, and I spent personally five years um, in uh, South Korea when my dad was in the military. Wow. And so I've, I had some of that experience as a kid living internationally and, and, and realizing that the world is a big place and that um, not everybody looks and thinks and talks like you. And, and that was yeah, kind of a good, right. very formidable um, for, formational experience for me as, as a yeah. late elementary school and early teenager. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that's part of who we are. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have hobbies. We love to ride bikes. Um, I love to cook and I make bread. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's there's other parts of life than ministry as well that are rewarding. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah. I was just going to say, after Brazil, uh, we 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 sense from God that when we were in Brazil, we just had a really strong sense that we had we completed the work that God had called us to do in Brazil. Yeah. Which also broke our hearts because we love Brazil right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, just feel so at home. And so it, wonderfully, we, we still work with our Brazilian partners. But at that time, we felt like we needed to turn that ministry over to a Brazilian. 
mm-hmm. actually several ministries. And so that's when we transferred to the Asia Pacific region. And as you mentioned earlier, we're, we're now home-based in Aotearoa, New Zealand. That allows us to work with partners globally. We work with many partners here in the Asia Pacific area. So, yeah. uh, so that's where we are now. Okay. Well, then tell us um, a little bit about what's going on there. Um, I, I know that you guys are connected to so many different things. Um, you do a ton of training. You do a ton of equipping, uh, so much teaching and and wise teaching at that. I actually found your um, teachings from 2012 when you were here in the region and uh, had some notes from that. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Oh, good. Oh, Amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, because very prophetically in those teachings, you, you, you do discuss the state of the future church, uh, and kind of a 20 year vision. And we're halfway there 10 -hmm. years later. And I want to see if, if you think those things are still tracking. Um, but with that being said, um, what are some of the things you're doing there in Southeast Asia? Yeah, good. Um, well, uh, you gave the overview of the, the dimensions of our ministry, you know, that rotate uh, around things like equipping um, partner Baptist conventions to be not just receivers, but senders of global servants, you know, so that's the everywhere to everyone theme. Mm-hmm. Um, we do lots of organizational development kinds of things. Um, with partners to strengthen their leadership, to strengthen their planning. Um, Their seminaries. Yeah. Seminaries have to think about, well, how, how how do you carefully and wisely prepare uh, leaders for the body of Christ mm-hmm. in this new in this new world. Yeah, that's another dimension. We also equip folks in the area of what you said was holistic economic and community development. Yes. So the whole the whole theme of that is not helping churches, helping Baptist conventions, um, in addition to talking about Jesus, being Jesus Ooh. in their yeah. local communities. And, and so we do that through um, uh, uh, how, how do we help without hurting? How can we be Jesus in a way that really makes uh, a systemic change yeah. in, in the problem? And one of those themes um, for me has been social entrepreneurship. Um, that's what I did my doctoral work recently yeah. in um, and looking at how does the Christian faith impact how we create and run social enterprises. These are businesses that are sustainable economically, whose purpose is to address a social problem, to make a change in in what's going on that neither governments or or the market, other businesses are willing to address. Um, so, So we've been doing a lot of work in that area um, just recently in many different countries. And I think a a third area or a third point that we would want to make about our ministry is that we're we're just sensing a real real need to uh, identify and mentor the next generation. Now, some of that's because we are a 
We can't use that. that a little more experience. That three-letter word. We yeah. use the we're experienced, you know. Wise. Um, wise. But, <laughs> wise. Yes. Um, somebody said mature, but that just sounds a little yeah. strange to me. At any rate, but this whole idea of 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 nurturing and mentoring the next generation, yeah. so that they're that these younger adults and basically everybody's younger than us these days. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that younger adults feel like yes. I have a space now to use the gifts that God has given me. Yeah. This is a huge need amongst many of our partners globally, I would say, especially because of the pandemic. I mean, it was already there. I think the pandemic accelerated this trend. Yeah. But for example, we were hearing numbers out of Myanmar uh, that in one ethnic group, they th- there were many, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of people died from COVID. Amongst those were 153, 157. Something like that. Something like that. 153 pastors. Mm. I mean, just that died from COVID. So, you know, leaving this big hole in mm. the leadership yeah. and, of course, terrible suffering in, with their families and communities. Mm-hmm. But um, so so there is and, and in other, uh, another partner that we're working with most of their past, their current pastors right now, this is in Latin America, most of their current pastors are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, within the next 15 years, we're we're hearing that nearly 70% of their pastors will retire, hmm. but they only have about 10% of younger leaders ready to move into those positions. So those are just some examples. So we're really highly committed to to identifying and mentoring those those younger leaders and frankly, talking to people from our generation and encouraging them to, we say, step aside, make some space. You know, you've had your turn. (laughs) You don't need to disappear. We're not saying go go sit in a closet, but rather just step aside a bit and then walk with that person or with those younger leaders Mm -hmm. and and pass on your wisdom. So those are some of our ministry areas. Wow, that's... That's pretty incredible. I mean, I think that requires a unique talent and ability to be able to see what is and what might be with the church and in a variety of contexts. Like you said, you work with Latin America or Asia, or even when you think of churches in the States, uh, that um, these challenges that uh, churches are facing sound familiar, at least. And in our Absolutely. context as well, um, sure. we also, right. you know, experience leadership gaps from time to time because of, you know, generational cohorts, you mm-hmm. know, coming and going and at different rates. And, and it is certainly a, a problem. Um, so many of our pastors at a, in our seminaries, now, if you talk to seminary professors, it sounds like a lot of our seminary students are second career type persons who are, mm. you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, getting a, a saying yes to a new call. And and that's yeah. slightly different than the old model of the 20th century where people went to college and then seminary and right into the pastor in their late 20s. Now it seems like people are are coming into the pastorate for the first time as new people in the in their 40s. Yeah, that's right. Which I think is really exciting because then those people have lots of life experience that they're bringing into the pastor. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they already have had, had, have had successful careers, Yeah, you know, and so they can bring 
they can bring real content into what they do. Um, in addition to the solid spiritual, you know, yeah. shepherding yeah. that they yeah. do as well. So, yeah. And we, and, and we see so much of that need to be multi-skilled, you know, Correct. the, the right. days of somebody just being a great preacher, mm-hmm. you know, that is not going to move the needle going forward mm-hmm. into the 21st century. I mean, that's a, a skill and a larger box set. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna have yep. to be really good at a lot of other things as exactly. well. Exactly, as important as that skill is, there are other things. Oh yeah, do. yeah. Not to not to take anything away from oh, good yeah. preaching and teaching, yeah. but you know, part of being a visionary leader is helping the church be the church. Yeah, in its community, in its world. So an example of that, I think, and that focuses in a little bit more on, on your question about our ministry right now, Bruce, I'm thinking of the, the classes that we're teaching, mm-hmm. faith-based social entrepreneurship. Uh, another uh, result, if you will, of the pandemic is that, uh, as you know, reading reading the news, I mean, people have suffered all around the world, sure. um, I mean, United States, as well as you know, every continent. One of the things that we were we are, we've been hearing from partners, particularly in South Asia, is that the pandemic, during the pandemic, not only did many people die, but those who did survive, like scores and scores, hundreds of thousands lost jobs. Those who are in farming, uh, if you're a, 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 what do you call that, a street seller? Yeah, street vendor. The street mm-hmm. vendor, uh, market people, uh, any of those businesses, they clo- they suffered or they closed. Mm-hmm. And so the sense now is uh, the, the questions that we are, the invitations that we've been receiving are, please help us to gain skills that will allow us to, to help our members to be able to support themselves. And, and this is the part we get excited about, and reach out to our community in new ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where this idea of a of a church base, a Christian business, a social enterprise, um, seems to be something that many are interested in. And 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 you know, in the Asian context in particular, this is not a Christian context. And so you you can't go and well, let's have a you know a neighborhood VBS program and invite all the kids. You just can't do those kinds of things. You can't you can't openly talk about Christ. Mm-hmm. But if but the, these brothers and sisters in Christ in these countries are saying we we do want to reach our communities, but we need tools to be able to do that so that as Bruce said, we can be Jesus in the community in a way that really touches people's hearts. And then when they say, why are you doing this? <laughs> then that, then it's okay. That's not illegal to respond to questions sure. like that, but you can't just be going out there, right. you know, and having Christian programs here and there. So yeah. that's been a really important piece of our current ministry. Mm-hmm. It, it would be great. Would you, were you up to s- telling a story about the, I love the story of the, the young guy that we're working with, the, with the uh, coffee the coffee house. Oh, right. I just think that's a great sure. example of this kind of yeah. a young yeah. pastor. This is a young pastor. Um, we were invited by International Ministries and Northeast Christian University, which is based in Nagaland, okay, uh, yeah. Northeast India, um, to teach a course um, that's called Christian Enterprise Development. Um, we've been teaching it online through Zoom, um, and it's for 
uh, pastors, church leaders in South Asia, all across the region. And so um, we taught it the first half of the year of this year. And now we're in this, uh, repeating it now for the second half of the year. Um, for another what, 200, 300? Yeah, right. Students. Yeah, right it's now. Quite amazing. We, yeah, yeah, we're having over 200 people on in the training. Oh, my gosh. Uh, learning yeah, so learning sure. about, you know, what does it mean to have this kind of holistic, integrated um, approach to being Jesus followers? And one of the folks in the first half of the year course that we taught um, is in a restricted access country. Um, it's not safe nor legal sometimes yes. to be overt Jesus followers comes with a five-year jail term wow so yeah. and and is in a sort of a a, a medium-sized town um, very concerned about what's going on with younger people people in their 20s in his community um, who are not able to get a job um, they're they, they tend to fall into um, social gatherings that involve lots of drinking, um, lots of cheap alcohol um, in the community, and is really concerned about what's happening with the lives of these young people that are just getting drunk all the time. And so wanted to address that social problem and the spiritual problem that underlies that. Yeah. And so, but do so in a sustainable economic way. So his grandfather has a two-story home and he asked his grandfather if he could turn the lower floor into a cafe. Um, and this cafe in his, in, in his dream was a safe place where people could gather, no alcohol, um, a good, healthy environment. Um, he himself trained to be a barista so he got professional barista training. And so he started several months ago this faith-based social enterprise cafe that not only provides a good, healthy environment for people as an alternative to cheap liquor, um, <clears throat> but it also um, trains people for jobs in the hospitality industry because he's also hiring some of these right. out-of-school youth and training them to make the coffee, run the front end and the coasting and the cashiering, the back end and the cleaning up and the and the food prep. And so he's turned it into an employment, vo a vocational program mm. for the folks. But so it serves on multiple dimensions. And he's put Bible phrases, Bible passages up on the wall of the place and there's so there's no there's no mistaking that when you're you're coming in here that this is going to be you know, a, a healthy you know uh affirming kind of place for you and and apparently it's it's going quite well now you know so cool. cool yeah it's yeah. so cool and it, then it opened again it as i was mentioning earlier it opens up spaces for people to ask questions yeah. so what what is that that's on the wall or what does that say something about God love. Who is that? What is that? What is all mm -hmm. of that about? So it, it's a it's a safe way for him and church members to then be able to reach out to the community. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, yeah, I just thought that was an, an example yeah. of kind of a real holistic way for us to to be Jesus in our communities yeah. and and economically sustainable. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I think that's a fantastic example of the types of mission and ministry that um, 
would serve well in the United States as well as if, if we learned how to do these sort of things and began to think of our presence in the community differently than saying, well, just come to our worship service, yeah. but more yeah. of like being present and, and, and having yeah. your, your impact be multi-tiered like this. So as yeah. you're providing a spiritual need, of course, by sharing the gospel and yeah. in a way that's yeah. helpful and contextual and, um, and, and provides a vision of how life could be different than the one that you have, right? Yep. And yeah. within that, providing actual hands-on gifts and talents and skills to learn how to do something else. So these people are learning how to work in the restaurant business and these sort of things. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you, you're meeting multiple layers of needs there all, right. and all in the name of Jesus. And it's a sustainable yeah. way of living and earning an income. Yeah. Um, I think it's all very cool. Yeah, very cool. And I think, Greg, that one of, the consequences of all that we have gone through worldwide with with this pandemic is that we've seen it in many churches in the US as well as outside is that it's forced us to rethink what it means to be church yeah and you know it it, it has been relatively easy to fall into this idea that we are being church means gathering on Sunday, you know, Sunday school, worship, a potluck or two, you know. All, Which I personally uh, love. Uh, no I'm problem with any of that. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely essential. But that's what but it, that's it. That's yeah, it. but that's it. That's you a know. pretty small box. And, and if we're doing that, we're fulfilling God's vision for us as the body of Christ in our community. And so the pandemic, yeah, certainly here in, in New Zealand, yeah. with, with restrictions and lockdowns and times when it was not safe for us to gather sure. as a community and, and church services and events went online, it really did shake up a lot of that more traditional view of what it means to be church. Like, if we can't gather on Sunday, what does it mean? You know, are we still church? Yeah. Um, and so we see in that, in all those dislocations and challenges, a real opportunity for, for pastors, for leaders, for church members to say, gosh, maybe being Jesus followers, maybe being, you know, an, uh, 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 an outpost of the kingdom of God in our community means, yes, now we can worship again on Sundays together. That's great. But you know, the, the pandemic has surfaced a lot of the chronic problems and inequalities in our society in ways that we could perhaps, it was easy to sweep under the rug before. Yeah. Um, and so now we have this opportunity to be much more aware of the social problems, of the needs of our community, and how how the light of God, you know, can can now start illuminating those dark parts that were revealed, you know, because of the pandemic. And and so, yeah, maybe maybe we can be Jesus followers in a in a in a in a more compelling way, in a more effective way. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I agree. That's that's one of the things that when people say, you know, um, what. What was the biggest problem for for your Nebraska churches during the pandemic yeah. and stuff? And and where do you think we're going from here? I, I've I've had similar thoughts and say that I think the best thing that ever happened 
from the pandemic was that it forced us to ask that question. What is the church? Amen. What are we doing yeah. when we gather? What What is the purpose of coming together? Is it just because this is familiar and this is what we're used to? And I think there is some value to, yeah. to yes. admitting that and acknowledging that and living into that, just like you said. Um, but I think it also, um, if, 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 you, if you think you've won and defeated a, a global disease by simply being able to gather together in a room mm-hmm. with pews, then we've missed an amazing opportunity yep. to do what God yep. is doing in our community because yep. um, really being the church going forward is going to require shape shifting in ways that really <laughs> that are going to be yep. very, very difficult, you know, for yeah. us. And it's going to require things like this coffee shop or mm-hmm. um, other, other ministries that, that you guys are teaching people to do. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Greg. I, I, yeah. Just to, just jumping in there, I think another just an absolutely critical question, along with who we who are we as the church, or why is there church, or why do we get together, is the question uh, that that should be that should be something like so that mm. what what is the so that I think that, I think we miss the so that which is a very common phrase in 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 the Bible. Right. You you are given gifts so that. You build up the body so that, and so the question that it that always arises in my mind is: Yes, I love worship. I love Bible studies. I love you know the the, the fellowship times you know that our church has, and all of that is so that then you have to fill in the blank. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we stop. We don't ask the so that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're doing all that in my mind, so that we can reach out to the community so that we can, we, we can be this, this, the, 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 the community of faith that others go, wait a minute, what's going on there? I want a part of that. And then we can invite them to meet Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, so that, so that others come to know Jesus and become part of this body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I like, yeah. I like the, so that I think that's a really yeah. important I- I think that's crucial. I actually stumbled across the w- one of the biggest things that we run into, I think, with um, at least North American Baptist contexts are that there's this sense of individualism, individual salvation, right. individual right. Jesus, which is true, but that's held in tension with community. And when yes. you recognize yeah. that like 80% of the, the you, like Y-O-U and the New Testament Ooh. are plural. And yes, so, about yes. that. Yes. so this then becomes your, your, so that is always uh-huh. for community, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are saved. You are made new so that, so that. you can be <laughs> in a community with other people so that that community can then be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around them. There's always yeah. a purpose. I, I love that train of thought um, mm-hmm. that you just offered us there. And all right. I want to I want to ask you guys some some pop questions. All right, this is going to bring back some some oldies but goodies. Have your worksheets here from 2012. Oh, how cool! From when you were in the area. Now, now here's the thing, uh, listeners, pay attention. Is this was in 2012? This was 10 years ago when they shared these teachings with our region and the rest of America when they were on furlough. Um, And so, I want you to imagine these questions 
before all of the political disruptions we've had, before mm. the global pandemic disruptions we've had, these were questions they were asking even then. So your first observation as you as you did these teachings about the global South, lessons that we can learn from the global South to our North American churches. One of the ones you says, societies are fracturing into distinct subcultures with each of its own worldviews and values. And so then your question based on that observation was, what does it mean for the church's mission locally, nationally, and internationally? Now, you've got some sub points here, but I'd like to hear mm -hmm. 10 years removed from that. I cannot believe how right you were, first of all, is that the, the fracturing only sped up in that yes. way. And I think then some of us would have said, well, it's not that bad. We're still figuring out how to get along. I can hang mm -hmm. out with people who think differently than me and then vote differently than me. But now here we are 10 years later and that's becoming less and less likely among mm -hmm. people. We are just so fractured, so separated, so siloed. What does mission and ministry look like for a local church in this mm -hmm. new context we find ourselves in? Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the examples is just what you gave us, this economic driving kind of things, creating a business that shares the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. But but what else? What does it mean to be church in a siloed, uh, and fractured society? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'll jump in first and just say, I think it's it meant then when we were emphasizing this in 2012, and it means now that these days there's no such thing about, well, there's home mission. There's what we do locally, which tends to be monocultural, right? We're all here together. It's just us. Yeah. And then there's the global mission, which is cross-cultural, right? Yeah. No. What it means is today, even more so now, that everything the church does is cross-cultural and 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 being jesus followers meaning means crossing cultural barriers to to be jesus in those situations and so um it, it, i guess it's the question of for a local church ministry what's more important is is it more important to hold to a political line, to hold to a cultural line, to hold to a linguistic line, and the gospel comes second? Yeah. Or does the good news of Jesus transcend those, in a certain sense, unite those in its diversity to say, yes, some of those questions are really, really important. Those differences are important. And yet... Those come under the when those come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. What's more important is how are we the body of Christ yeah. in our crazy fractured diversity? You know, what what's more important for us? Is it Jesus or is it our tribal loyalties? Yeah. I, I think that's really hard for pretty much every church family we've ever visited yeah. or, or, or been a part of. Um, some churches are more successful than others in crossing those boundaries. Uh, I'm thinking of two examples in the States uh, that I, I think kind of put feet on this, if you will. I'm we, are, we are members of a, uh, an African-American church in Pennsylvania. In fact, that's where I was, was ordained. This church is intentionally reaching out to a white church in their community and they have I, I think it's every saturday morning they have 
prayer time together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that takes some real intentionality and commitment to cross those racial cultural lines. There is a church that we, uh, one of our supporters in Southern California, they intentionally reached out to the uh, Latino community. Now they have some Latino members and they have this sense that it's, our church is, is, is not here just for us. Our, here, our church is here so that we can reach out to our community and invite others to know Jesus. So they're opening up to, to Latino celebrations in their church, for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess my point is that it, it takes intentionality because we're all creatures of habit, me included. We like doing what we've always been doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so darn comfortable. But we have to step out of that. And as Bruce was saying, remembering the Lordship of Jesus Christ because of that, how, how Jesus calls us into this cross-cultural community and gives us this mission of reaching out to others, reaching across those barriers. But we have to be committed to doing it because otherwise we simply won't. Yeah. It just it just is too much work. It's too uncomfortable. I think in addition to that, it's, it's I mean, th- those are obvious old silos, racial right. ones, ethnic ones. But with this fracturing, I think this goes back to your learning to speak Philadelphian, right? Yeah. Just because you're in a community doesn't mean you're speaking the same language. Mm. True enough. You know, mm. you could even in small towns in Nebraska, you mm. can have multiple pockets and silos of various oh, yeah. cultures existing side by side. And right. and I think what we need to learn is, is is what you do so well. I mean, I think it's fun that you guys have literally learned other nations' languages and have yeah. formed that into your mission and ministry. But I think as pastors, as leaders, as members of our communities, we need to also be bilingual or multilingual or the various fractured things within our own cities and learning to speak languages of our students, you know, and and learning to speak the language of our retirees and learning to speak the languages of people who work and, and those who are struggling and and recognize that just because we say the same words, we don't mean the same things all the time. So learning to have these dialogues, I think, I think that's a skill that, that you guys have demonstrated globally but it is something that we need to also learn as small as a small town. Oh, absolutely. All around. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think a key, sorry, Bruce, just real quickly. I think a key to that could be not just the dialogue, but finding ways to do things together. Yeah. I found Mm -hmm. that, you know, that breaks down barriers when you find a common thing, a common service, a common project that you can do together all of a sudden those political differences yep they're there yep yeah they're they're there but we have something else that is drawing our attention and our commitment mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we we find ways that we can connect yeah uh, 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 beyond or outside of our political differences or right. our social differences mm-hmm. sorry first oh no very much i mean and i love your idea of looking at our communities even in small towns as as being uh, a mix of various subcultures, yes, and and how some of those subcultures are really unreached people groups, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we would tend to think of that as somewhere over there, but no, there are unreached people groups in our community. So yes. how do we in the U.S. Yeah. and so how do we s- 
look at those communities with God's eyes and say, how, you know, how can we be Jesus in those? Mm. And, and I want to second what Anne said. I think the more a church is involved in its community and involves its community mm -hmm. in what it does, even if those people aren't Jesus followers, yeah. right? I mean, a great way to involve unreached people groups is reach out and say, you know what, we have a big problem with X, you know, in our community. Would you join with us in helping to address that? I mean, it turns people in those other subcultures that are not like us mm -hmm. into partners rather than than objects of our mission yeah no absolutely i i agree and um and, and i think that's maybe i like that they're not objects of our mission they're partners um yeah, yeah. i i think maybe this is this is uh was birthed out of our desire to create mission and ministry opportunities for different demographics inside of our churches so we had like yeah. children's programs we had yeah. teenage programs we had adult programming men's programming women's programming you know different ethnic programmings you know and then we had car church and then we had you yeah. know biker church and then all these kind of <laughs> things um it kind of set us up for thinking everybody had to have their own little yeah. version of church mm -hmm. And yeah, a little homogenous. Yeah, yeah, which might have been easier when those silos were bigger or those pieces mm -hmm. of glass, if you will, stained glass were were, were bigger and so yeah. they could fit together. But now we're so fractured. The pieces are so small yep. that if you really create a church service just for this one little niche thing, you're going to yeah. have five people, you know. Yeah. And so so this need to, to cross-pollinate, this cross cultural lines and, and recognize the value in each other's gifts and talents and interests yeah. um, to be one big church together, I think is going to require something a little bit different than how we've approached it in the past. It's true. And at the same time, Greg, it does not mean compromising on the truths of the gospel. Right. You know, I mean, I think, I think that's the line that we walk that I think some find so difficult is you know, I think when Paul said, you know, I want to be Jesus for everyone, whether slave or free, male or female, Jew or Greek, you know, um, you know, I am, I am, I take on the population that I'm working with, and I am now, I, you know, I, I can identify and live like that group. It doesn't mean that he has to then give up what it means to be a Jesus follower. Right. Right. So it's a, it's it's not compromise at all. You know, it's it's incarnation. I think it's grace. Yeah. It's being expressing grace in such a way that, yep, you and I may be different. You and I may have different views, but we both love Jesus. Or maybe you don't love Jesus and I do and I'm, I'm trying to introduce you. And so I just yeah. want you to know that I love you. And mm -hmm. through that, then you can develop this relationship. Yeah, so much to be done, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So I think it, it, is, it is hard to, to be able to cross these uncomfortable divides, especially in today's world yeah. when there has been such dramatic siloing, mm. so such dramatic, yeah. so many dramatic differences. Yeah, the polarization. And, 
polarization and name calling between different groups, it's, mm. it's hard to make bridges over that. But we've got to, that's what we're called to do. I mean, I got, I got this image as you were speaking, Greg, of, uh, <laughs> as you were talking about, you know, bringing different groups and pr- perspectives together. I mean, isn't that what we're about? I mean, the, the, the early church was a multicultural church mm. that yeah. we read about in Acts. And then when you get to Revelation 7, 9, it's all, uh, you know, nations, tribes, peoples, and languages coming around the throne. Well, that doesn't sound like homogeneity to me. No. I, the whole idea of God's people, of, of, of the global body of Christ, is this wonderfully diverse population that 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 is expressing the values of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I get excited. We can preach yeah. on that, I no, that sounds really. <laughs> but that's but 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 seriously, if we have that vision, that changes how we do church in our own little community, mm. right? If if we see that, oh, we're so, we're part of something big, we're part of we're 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 cooperating with God's mission to bring God's people together. Well, so how does that live out here in my little community in Nebraska, or here in you know New Zealand or Bolivia or? Uh, Indonesia, wherever we are, how does that live out in our place, in our neighborhood and community? Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And 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 your paper goes on. I, I think maybe I'm going to turn this into a PDF and put it in the show notes for okay. people to, to to look at. Well, it. It's okay it. with you guys. I don't know <laughs> if it's copywritten material or not, but mm. um, you know, I, I I just found this so revealing that that you were talking about this stuff. 10 years ago, you had kind of a vision for where the church may be in 20 years. We're halfway there. We're 10 years to that kind of vision. If you remember back to these early uh, or these teachings from from then, you talk about global youth culture emerging. You talk about disintermediation, um, which is a fun word to say. Yeah, it is. Sounds so smart. Yeah, yeah, very smart. Mm -hmm. But but it's the idea of of denominations and structures and churches and old institutions kind of. having to be rebuilt differently than, than yeah. how they've always done. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so it's just, it's, it's a fun word to say um, w- with all of that, uh, what just real briefly as, as best you can in mm-hmm. summation um, 10 years from now, do you think we're still doing these things? Do you think we've gotten any better at them? Or do you think we're still like, if this mm-hmm. was an upside, I think of it a little bit like, um, like a narrative, like a story. Mm-hmm. You got okay. your introduction, you've got your climax, you, but there's always that moment of great despair in the story yeah. when you think Ooh. like everything's going to not turn out well. And then there's that that bottom scoop and it starts coming back up and you get to some resolution. Do you feel like we're in that scoop or do you think we're still falling and that there's more yet more, um, what would you call it? Deconstruction to go yet before we can reconstruct because i'm a i i I, i've talked to so many of my friends and peers and people under their under 40 you know of course they're all doing deconstruction it's a very popular thing to do as as they should you know we should in fact constantly do this and we should all do this as followers of jesus is like what do i actually believe from time to time but at some point you got to reconstruct right you got to build your life on something Mm -hmm. yeah so as we continue to dismantle and think about what is the church how do we move out of a pandemic how do we live life together in this new world we find ourselves in. Do you think we're at the bottom of that scoop or do you think we got more long way to go? I guess is my question. Wow. Hard one. Um, I, I would say that what we have been through globally in the last two and a half years 
while a disaster in many respects, has also been, God is giving us an opportunity in the midst of that. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the real question is, will we seize that opportunity and say, in those in those dislocations, as in the in in how society changed because of the last you know two three four years, um, are we going to now seize that as an opportunity for kind of an unfreezing moment? Yeah. You know, how will we refreeze? How will we come back together? Will we rush back to the comfort of the way it's always been? Or will we say, you know what, we learned some stuff from this. Yeah. And so how will we move ahead? Um, I do see points of light. I see churches yes. in the U.S. Yes. I see, I, in fact, some ABC regions. I see partner, uh, partner Baptist conventions and churches around the world. There are some folks, there are some examples that I think we can draw inspiration from yeah. and say, you really learned something. Yeah. Um, we want to learn from you now. Right. Um, and, and I think that, Greg, is how we we move out of that, that curve and we say, okay, now we are building towards the new thing that God is doing, the new thing that God is calling us to, yeah. um, is if we pause and learn and then draw inspiration from others. Again, it's a relational thing. Rather than simply saying, okay, now let's let's flee to the comfort. We yeah, can get back that's to the normal. Over, right? Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I would agree, Bruce. I I and I, to answer your question or address that question, Greg, I I, I don't I don't think we can have a monolithic uh curve right. down yeah, yeah. and up because people are churches, communities, nations, they're all in different locations. Yeah. However, I will, my observation is that the pandemic in all its horror has also opened up new possibilities. Mm. And as Bruce said, there we are seeing points of light. We are seeing churches or, 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 or conventions saying, you know, God's mission continues. The, the pandemic stinks, but but it's not stopping us. And so finding new ways to serve, or like, as we were saying earlier, uh, churches that are saying, you know, we need to do a lot better job at, at actually being Jesus in our community. They haven't been doing that before. Yeah. That is very encouraging yeah. to me. Are we all going to be moving through that curve at the same pace at the same time? I don't think so. I mean, we've seen churches in mm -hmm. the u.s and in other parts of the world that are just plodding along some are are really struggling they're they're yeah they, they didn't do well in the no. pandemic this this has really crippled them others are 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 doing well they're seeing new possibilities so yeah i i, I think there is hope i yeah. i see hope mm -hmm. I, i'm yeah. seeing examples of of creative ways that people are developing to share Jesus. And that's what we need to be doing. Yeah. One other specific example in our ministry of, of something hopeful is 
uh, several folks have asked, well, oh, you know, how is how are things going with you? And, you know, how's your ministry now? Now you can get back to ministry. And Bruce and I go, what? No, no, no. Pandemic during the pandemic, our ministry expanded literally like blew up in, in a wonderful way because when people couldn't meet together, they said, well, but that's not stopping our life or our ministry. So we can still have our trainings. We can still prepare new leaders. We can still have Bible studies and fellowship, et cetera. How do we do that? We do it via Zoom. Well, guess what? For example, we're, we're teaching this class in South Asia. Greg, we have people from all, all different contexts. We have some folks that are in, you know, imagine an urban office. Mm-hmm. We have another, you know, other folks, you know, a pastor under a mango tree with the chickens going in the back <laughs> holding their cell phone their to cell join phone. the seminar mm-hmm. yeah and he's going out and he is doing things in his community he's finding new ways to 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 bless the community so what what covid has done i i think of it as leveling the playing field as mm-hmm. as making everything more accessible yeah. sure if we say knowledge is the new power of, of of modern society we are making that more accessible mm-hmm. so we can work with a seminary in brazil we can train pastors leaders and and seminary uh, students in ecuador or in asia and everyone is in this in the same room <laughs> zoom room <laughs> that yeah. same same room if you will so the, the the guy that's under the mango tree doesn't have to um, pay for a bus to go to a training center and then pay for overnight lodging and food and so forth. He or she can just open up the cell phone or the laptop. Mm-hmm. So that that accessibility, I think, has has drawn the body of Christ closer together around the world. Yeah. One more quick example. I'm working. I was working with a, a Baptist World Alliance group. And so none of us, I think one of us on this team of seven had met in person before, but we had, we have folks from Sri Lanka, Jamaica, US, Canada, um, the UK, Cameroon, and New Zealand, and And we're all working together. I mean, just think of that. Who would have thought of that, you know, five years ago? You just, that, well, you that was did, a rare In your paper, you talk about uh, a global <laughs> culture emerging. Yeah, I th- that's exactly right. I think the right. pandemic has accelerated yeah. that trend of a global yeah. culture, and it has connected the body of Christ in ways mm-hmm. that it was never connected before. So that's hopeful, too. Yeah. No, I think this is all amazing. Um so, so we do need to wrap this up, but let, let, me, uh, let me put it like sorry. this. We're having too much fun. Um, okay. So we've, um, we know that you're global service with I am. So how do our churches connect with you as I am global servants? Um, just give right. us a quick rundown how they can do that. Sure. Um, in terms of, of mechanisms, um, you can stay connected with us through our page on the International Ministries website. So we're there under the list of global servants. Um, You can get in touch with us and ask to be on our email mailing list. We send out ministry updates on a semi-regular basis. So you can stay in touch that way. Um, Certainly we rely for our support, prayer support and financial support 
on American Baptist churches. You know, so being part of our ministry also means um, that kind of prayer and financial support for us, which is very important. Um, but I want to make sure it. let's expand. I want to make right? sure yeah. that, that we all realize that it's two way. Yeah. And yes. so yeah. and so what I want to say is when we say that we're now global servants or in our case, global consultants, global does not mean any place except the U.S., Right. Right. We are resources, yes, for partners all around the world. And that means churches in Nebraska as well. So we are not just missionaries for them somewhere over there. Right. We are global servants for you as well. And so we see ourselves as bridges, right, between what the body of Christ around the world is engaged in. And so helping you get more involved with that, to know what's happening, to participate in that, but also for that worldwide body of, of Christ to make a difference in your church, right? I mean, today, the, there are 70% of the worldwide body of Christ is now in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Yeah. Right. The 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 church in North America and Europe now is a minority expression of the body of Christ. And so the dynamism, the lessons, the you know, the struggles of that 70 percent, you know, in what we now call the majority world, that can bless you and your church in Nebraska. So use us as bridges. Well, and it definitely is a two-way, a, a two-way street. And that's the great thing about a bridge. You know, you can right. a, 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 approach it from either side or meet in the middle. And so some specific ways, and I, I, I know this is not as brief as you probably want. No, it, right? this is perfect. I, I do want the churches <laughs> but, um, to get in touch with you. Yeah. So, so certainly we are, we are available. We would love to work with, with you and the Nebraska churches in the areas that that God has gifted us with with knowledge and experience, uh, you know, this all whole idea of reaching out to the community, of mobilizing your church to be a blessing in your community is one of our passions. Uh, uh, women in leadership in a, in, in the church is a, yeah. in, especially in the New Testament. That's another passion of mine. Um, so working with churches on um, strategic planning, oh, yeah. that sort of. Church-based economic development and community development. I mean, contextualized theological education, whatever it may be, those are some areas that we can offer. What we know that churches in Nebraska are also doing some pretty incredible mm. things. So, frankly, what we'd like to learn from you mm. are there are there ministries that some of the, the your churches are involved in that might enrich our ministry, or even better, as Bruce said. We could bridge you with somebody in Bolivia mm-hmm. or in Indonesia that's doing something similar. And you guys could be, uh-huh. you know, sharing ideas and resources and praying for one another. I, I think that the possibilities are endless. So yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Cause because Greg, I think for us, the bottom line is that the global ministry that Anne and I are involved in can only be as strong and effective as Nebraska churches are strong mm-hmm. and effective. I mean, yeah. it's all one thing, yeah. right? And so, yes, we are committed to strengthening, um, you know, Baptist partners around the world, but that means we're also 
committed to strengthening Baptist partners in Nebraska, you know, and offering what we do as, as, you know, just as we offer it in Indonesia. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And and I'm so glad that you guys shared that, that yes, indeed, our churches and our individual uh, Jesus followers around the state can support you financially, prayerfully, they can come visit you and go on short-term mission trips, these sort of things, Mm -hmm. uh, which have been always a traditional style of partnership with our global servants. Um, but, but we need to remember that this is a reciprocal partnership and, and we can learn from you. You can bring those skills to our churches, to our region. Um, I know I'm, I'm very excited right now, even as we're talking all the things that, that we've dialogued about, and I'd love to continue some of these conversations later. And so um, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, connecting people with you. Check out the show notes, everyone, for for links to their IM page, to their emails, and these sort of things, so that you can get a hold of them, follow them on social media, and um, then you'll get to know them a little bit better. Um, you'll have to call them late in the day because they're on the upside down other side part of the world in New Zealand, and so when it's right summer, it's up. winter there, and. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, just give them a few minutes to email you back. I'm, I'm sure I'd love to be part of it. And and thank you guys so much for, for being on Mission in 5. Thank you for your callings and your gifting and your talents. And, and thank you for sharing that with us in Nebraska and around the world. So thank you guys so much for being on the show with me today. Well, Thanks, thank Greg. you. We are so grateful for this opportunity. We received the Nebraska newsletter. Yeah. that you put out by email. We know what you're involved in. We're encouraged and praying for you. And, uh, and you know, my last plug is Nebraska churches support the region. I mean, you guys are part of a very special region. And, and you know, we are all only all as strong as our regions are. So, you know, while it's important to support lots of things, you know, what Greg and Robin and that team and where they're moving ahead on is super important to us as well. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Mission in 5, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you will be notified every time we produce a new episode, introducing you to another ministry practitioner or missionary engaging in God's mission in their unique context, whether it be in Nebraska, around the country, or somewhere else in the world. If you like the guests and the content, take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share it with your friends and family on your larger social media networks. Check out the show notes for links and contact information to every single one of our guests and some current events and other links to news articles and things that might impact their mission and ministry. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes and feel free to support us by giving through PayPal on our abcnebraska.com website. Thanks everybody. Have a great day.